Hey, English 11, at the tone, the time will be 8.48 p.m. on Monday. Um, we're going to start Chapter 4 tonight. So if you're here, if you're with me, if you're reading, oh my goodness, I hope you are doing well. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. This is an um, amazing book that we're reading together, and I know it's really challenging, but I give you a ton of credit for taking on the challenge. And uh, yeah, here we go. So today we're going to start with chapter four. Now I'm going to divide chapter four into three different sections. Three, the car ride, the speakeasy, tea. I take that back. I'm going to chop up chapter four into four different sections. Okay. In the first section, we're going to kind of breeze through. So the first few pages, it says on Sunday morning, while church balls rang in the villages along the shore, the world and its mistress returned to Mr. Gatsby's house and twinkled hilariously on his lawn. He's a bootlegger, said the young ladies moving somewhere between his cocktails and his flowers. One time he killed a man who had found out that he was nephew to von Hindenburg and second cousin to the devil. Reach me a rose, honey, and pour me a last drop into their, into that there crystal glass. That's a great line. Okay, so um, first of all, the rumor that he's a bootlegger is worthy of our of us taking a pause. A bootlegger is a person who sells alcohol illegally. And in this time in the 1920s, uh, that definitely happened. So she says that he's a bootlegger. And then she says kind of a more outlandish comment that he killed a man and he's cousin to the devil or all of this business. That's probably not true. Um, okay. Then Nick goes into the section that I am going to call the catalog of guests. And, um, he, he says really briefly like, Oh, I just happened to write down this summer of 1922, like everybody who came to Gatsby's party. And he goes on and he lists a ton of people for the next two and a half pages. And I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I just want to like give you a glimpse. Clarence Endive was from East Egg, as I remember. He came only once in white knickerbockers and had to fight with a bum named Eddie in the garden. From farther out on the island came the Cheetles and the O.R.P. Schraders and the Stonewall Jackson Abrams of Georgia and the Fish Guards and the Ripley Snells. Snells was there three days before he went to the penitentiary, so drunk out of the gravel drive that Mrs. Ulysses Sweat's automobile ran over his right hand. The Dancies came too and S.W. Whitebait, who was well over 60, and Maurice A. Flink, and the Hammerheads, and the Beluga, and the Tobacco Importer, and the Beluga's Girls. Um, I'm going to post a video to Classroom that discusses how the costume people decided how to like dress everyone who came to Gatsby's party. And she will tell you that they used this section of the book to get a feel for what the guest lists should look like. She'll also tell you that they went through these like 1922 um, editions or the, the magazine Vanity Fair. They went through what was published in the 1920s and like the who's who section, like who were the celebrities of the time. Um, and they, they use that also. But I just thought it was cool that they use this catalog of characters or this catalog of um, guests as, um, as a place to start for how to, how to do this party scene. So he lists like all these people from both sides and some are famous and some are not. And, um, some are like, and basically it gives you this really, uh, colorful picture of all the people who were at Gatsby's party. And that's exactly the image that we get in the movie. Okay. Then part two of chapter four is when Gatsby arrives at Nick's house and he honks his horn. Da, 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 da. It's got a cute little honk in the movie and he's driving his Rolls Royce. He's like, Hey man, let's go. You're having lunch with me today. 
Um, I'm going to just read this because it's a great introduction again to Gatsby. At 9 o'clock in the morning, late in July, Gatsby's gorgeous car, the red Rolls Royce, the red, that would be awful, the yellow Rolls Royce, lurched up the rocky drive to my door and gave out a burst of melody from its three-noted horn. Pause for a second, you guys. In the movie, it's a three-noted horn. It's so accurate. It was the first time he had called on me, though I had gone to two of his parties, mounted on his hydroplane, and, at his urgent invitation, made frequent use of his beach. Good morning, old sport. You're having lunch with me today, and I thought we'd ride up together. He was balancing himself on the dashboard of his car with that resourcefulness of movement that is so peculiar, peculiarly American that comes, I suppose, with the absence of lifting work or rigid sitting in youth, and even more, with the formless grace of our nervous, sporadic games. Oh, you guys, that's why this book is so American, is a lot of it is about, is about this, like, handsome, strapping guy who, like, moves so easily throughout the world. And there's something really gloriously American about some of these characters. Okay, so um, he... He picks up Nick and they start to drive, okay? Now, in this driving scene, some really important things happen in the car, okay? So they're driving through, um, or they're, they're driving to New York City. And um, on page on the next page, it says, We hadn't reached West Village before Gatsby began leaving his elegant sentences unfinished and slapping himself indecisively on the knee of his caramel-colored suit. Look here, old sport, he broke out surprisingly. What's your opinion of me anyhow? A little overwhelmed, I began the generalized evasions which that question deserves. And so Nick's like, what? Like, what, what kind of question is that? Then he says, well, I'm going to tell you something about my life. He inter interrupted. I don't want you to get the wrong idea of me from all these stories you hear. Um, so Gatsby's clearly aware that there's a lot of rumors swirling around um, his parties. So then he says, ready, guys? I'll tell you God's truth. His right hand suddenly ordered divine retribution to stand by. I am the son of some very wealthy people in the Middle West, all dead now. I was brought up in America, but educated at Oxford because all my ancestors have been educated there for many years. It is a family tradition. Then Nick comments, he looked at me sideways and I knew why Jordan Baker had believed he was lying. He hurried the phrase educated at Oxford or swallowed it or choked on it as though it had bothered him before. And with this doubt, his whole statement fell to pieces. And I wondered if there wasn't something a little sinister about him after all. Okay, so then Nick initially is like, oh, well, this is like, I don't really believe you. Like, this is kind of a lie. Um, but then he goes on to say, you know, my family died. This is my story. I was traveling around Europe and then the war came and I went to war. Um, and then he says, this is Gatsby talking to Nick. He says, um, I accepted a commission as first lieutenant when it began. In the Argonne Forest, I took two machine gun detachments so far that there was half a mile gap on either side of us where the infantry couldn't advance. We stayed there three day two days and two nights and 130 men with 16 Lewis guns. And when the infantry came up at last, they found the insignia of three German divisions among the pile of dead. I was promoted to, to be a major and every allied government gave me a decoration. Even Montenegro, little Montenegro, down in the Adriatic Sea. So then Nick's like, yeah, whatever, that's crazy. Um, but then it says he reached into his pocket and a he reached in his pocket and a piece of metal slung on a ri rib ribbon fell into my palm. That's the one for Montenegro. To my astonishment, the thing had an authentic look. 
And then there's some Latin. Or or Dari de Di Danilo ran the circular legend. Montenegro. Turn it. Major J. Gatsby, I read, for valor extraordinary. Um, and then he says, here's another little thing I always carry, a souvenir of my Oxford days. It was taken in Trinity Quad. The man on the left is now the Earl of Doncaster. So he shows him a photo. Gatsby's in the photo. And then it says, that, then it was all true. I saw the skins of tigers flaming in his palace on the Grand Canal. I saw him opening a chest of rubies to ease with crimson light depths, the gnawing of his broken heart. So then Nick, upon receiving these two artifacts that bolster the story, is like, wow, the guy's actually not lying to me. Um, and you as the reader should decide at this point how much of this you believe. Maybe you believe all of it. Maybe you should. Oh, pardon the yawn. Okay, so then he says... Um, I'm going to make a big request of you today. That's curious. I wonder what the request is. And then he kind of goes on to say, like, I need I need to know who you are. Okay, then it says, um, uh, you'll hear about it this afternoon. And then Nick says, at lunch? No, this afternoon. I happen to find out that you're taking Miss Baker to tea. Do you mean you're in love with Miss Baker? No, old sport, I'm not. But Miss Baker has kindly consented to speak to you about this matter. And then Nick says, I hadn't the faintest idea what this matter was, but I was more annoyed than interested. I hadn't asked Jordan Baker to tea in order to discuss Mr. Jake Gatsby. I was sure the request would be something utterly fantastic. And for a moment, I was sorry I'd ever given, I'd ever set foot upon his overpopulated lawn. Okay, so then after that, the conversation stops and something else happens. All of a sudden, um, a... All of a sudden, a policeman comes up beside him, and he makes a gesture saying, like, hey, I'm going to pull you over. And then um, Gatsby says, all right, old sport, called Gatsby. We slowed down. Taking a white card from his wallet, he waved it before the man's eyes. Right you are, agreed the policeman, tipping his cap. Know you next time, Mr. Gatsby. Excuse me. So the policeman, like, goes to pull him over, but then realizes that it's Jay Gatsby and was like, whoa, sorry, bro. I, I would never do that to you. So why, why? Like, what's the end Gatsby has with the police? I'm not telling you. Okay, sip of water. So then, okay, so that's part two of chapter four, is this car ride in the Rolls Royce. And they zip up to New York City, and the next thing we know, we are in the 42nd Street Cellar. This is a speakeasy. And in the movie, they really, like, do it up. And you should watch that scene because it's awesome. But in the book, it's really not that fantastic. But there's a – sorry, I just hit my mouse. There's a character in the scene named Meyer Wolfsheim. And um, he's, a, he's a really important character. And the other thing you want to think about, like, as you get the description of Meyer Wolfsheim is, like, we got this whole description of Jay Gatsby. And he told us this whole story about how he went to Oxford and he's – inherited his money and da, da 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 But then his friend, like his friend in real life is this guy named Meyer Wolfsheim. And I want, I want to know if that changes your impression of Gatsby at all. So let's meet Meyer Wolfsheim. So it said, um, Mr. Carraway, this is my friend, Meyer, Mr. Wolfsheim, a small flat nosed Jew raised his large head and regarded me with two fine growths of hairs, which luxuriated in either nostril. After a moment, I discovered his tiny eyes in the half darkness. So um, Meyer Wolfsheim, first of all, they order highballs, and then they all sit down, and then Mr. Wolfsheim starts telling a story. 
So he says, um, he says, you know, I like across the street. I, I want to go to the, I would have rather gone to the place across the street. Um, but Gatsby says, well, it's too hot over there. And he says, hot, yes. And hot and small, yes, said Mr. Wolfsheen, but full of memories. What's that place, I asked? The old Metropole. Um, the old Metropole, brooded Mr. Wolfsheen gloomily, filled with faces dead and gone, filled with friends gone now forever. I can't forget so long as I live the night they shot Rosie Rosenthal there. It was six of us at the table, and Rosie had eaten and drunk a lot all evening. When it was almost morning, the waiter came up to him with a funny look and says, somebody wants to speak to you outside. All right, says Rosie, and begins to get up, and I pulled him down in his chair. Let the bastards come in here if they want you, Rosie, but don't you so help me move outside this room. It was four o'clock in the morning, and then we said if we'd raise the blinds, we'd see daylight. Did he go? I asked innocently. Sure, he went. Mr. Wolfsheen's nose flashed at me indignantly. He turned around in the door and says, don't let the waiter take my coffee. Take, take away my coffee. Then he went out on the sidewalk, and they shot him three times in his full belly and drove away. Four of them were electrocuted, I, I said, remembering. Five with Becker. His nostrils turned to me in an interested way. Um, so let's pause for a sec. This Because there's a lot here that's subtext. So the first thing is, it obviously sounds like Meyer Wolfsheim has been associated with mobsters of some kind. But then Nick knows this story. So he says, five of them were electrocuted, I said, remembering. So like, there's something about this Rosie Rosenthal murder that has made it to the national news. Because Nick, who has never met any of these people and certainly doesn't know Meyer Wolfsheim, knows the story of this murder. So that also tells us that like Meyer Wolfsheim is associated with very high profile mobsters. Okay. Then he says to Nick, I understand you're looking for a business connection. And then <laughs> Nick says, I love this line. The juxtaposition of these two remarks was startling. Gatsby answered for me. Oh no. He exclaimed, this isn't the man. Okay. So <laughs> Meyer Wolfsheim, clearly a high profile mobster says to Nick, Oh, do you want to, I heard you want a business connection. And then Gatsby's like, no, 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 no. That's not that guy. Um, obviously Nick is not looking for a business connection, but Gatsby and Wolfsheim seem to have a similar interest in something. Um, okay. So then Mr. Wolfsheim eats and then, um, Gatsby has to go take a call real quick and he has to, he had to use the telephone and then, um, he walks up from the table and then, um, Mr. Wolfsheim says, fine fellow, isn't he handsome to look at and a perfect gentleman. So he talks about how he went to Oxford and then, um, he says, you know, how much he adore Wolfsheim talks about how much he adores Gatsby and then um, Wolfsheim out of nowhere says, I see you're looking at my cuff buttons. So guys, I don't know if you know this or not, but cuff buttons are the buttons that like appear on the cuff of a man's dress shirt. And they, they are the button that links the two pieces of fabric together. Cuff buttons um, can be like, um, you, you can wear like decorative cuff links if you want. Um, and some men do. So he... Wolfsheim has some interesting cuff buttons. So then Nick says, I had not been looking at them, but I did now. They were composed of oddly familiar pieces of ivory. Finest specimens of human molars, he informed me. Well, I inspected them. They're, that's a very interesting idea. Yeah, he flipped his sleeves under his coat. Yeah, Gatsby's very careful about women. He would never so much look at a friend's wife. 
What? Where did that comment come from? Okay, there's just like so much happening right now. So, so much of this is confusing for Nick. Then Wolfsheim suddenly leaves and um, that's it. That's all we get from him. So then um, Nick and Gatsby kind of debrief on the conversation and <laughs> Nick's like, what does he do for a living? Is he a dentist? <laughs> Which only speaks to Nick's innocence. Like we as the reader understand that he probably got those molars from a human that was killed in one of his mobster activities. But then listen to this. Um, Gatsby says, no, he's a gambler. Gatsby hesitated, then added coolly. He's the man who fixed the World Series back in 1919. Fix the World Series, I repeated. The idea staggered me. I remembered, the course that the world, I remembered, of course, that the World Series had been fixed in 1919. But if I had thought of it at all, I would have thought it happened as a thing that merely happened the end of some inevitable chain. It never occurred to me that one man could start to play with the faith of 50 million people with the single mindedness of a burglar opening a burglar, blowing a safe. Um, so Nick is like blown away. So like, what do we know about Molshim so far? Well, uh, we know a lot. He's got human Mullers as cufflinks. He's in with some pretty memorable high profile mobsters and he fixed the 1919 World Series. So he's a big time gambler. Now your next question should be, well, why is a guy like Gatsby hanging out with him? And I, you don't know the answer to that yet, but that's a really, really, really good question. Okay. We're going to pause there for now. And the next thing we're going to do is part four. We're going to go to tea with Jordan Baker and we're going to figure out what is it that Gatsby wants with Jordan Baker and why Nick is now suddenly involved also. Okay, guys, that's it for it. That's it for tonight. Have a great night.